KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The state of caregiving in the U.S. right now is a very serious issue. It's expensive, and the people doing the caregiving are underpaid and overworked. We wanted to dig into this problem, talk about how to address it, so we caught up with Dr. Julie Morita. She is executive vice president for the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Give a listen. When we talk about care systems, what exactly are we talking about? Kind of what falls under that umbrella? That's a great question, Matt. I think when we think about care it's uh, and we talk about it a lot we take for granted that people understand what that means and they don't so you know when we talk about care we're talking about child care in a child care center in a home or in another informal setting we also mean about home health care for people who are sick or for people who are elderly in care and support for people living with disabilities all those things fit into the care um, community and caregiving community so what is the state of the caregiving community right now as we are closing in on two years into a pandemic? Well, I think when we think about it, even at baseline before the pandemic, parents of more than 2 million children under the age of five had to quit a job, not take a job, or greatly change their job because of problems with child care. So child care is not just a problem because of the pandemic. We had problems prior to the pandemic, and they've been exacerbated by the pandemic. And it, you know, we know that low-income families can pay up to one-fifth of their salaries on childcare alone. And that's a lot to have to pay and then have to put a house, a roof over your head, pay for food, pay for clothing, pay for healthcare services, all those kinds of things. And our childcare providers and the workers themselves are among the lowest paid in every state. So it's at both ends. It's the challenges that families have in terms of securing care for their loved ones, but it's also the child care providers and what they're able to provide for themselves um, in terms of living wage, in terms of health care services, in terms of paid family and sick leave. All these issues need to be addressed and need to be strengthened for us to be as stronger as a nation. I'm curious because I've talked to a lot of people and you hear the, the same things. People aren't being paid enough, yet it is so expensive to find child care. Where is the disconnect? All this money's going in, but we don't have enough to pay these people what they deserve. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a matter of really how much we value these services. I think what the pandemic has done, you pointed this out, the pandemic really has made clear that we are dependent on our child care providers so that we can work, so that families can really make their own livings. We are dependent on these child care providers. And when these child care centers closed and were inaccessible, people had to drop out of the workplace. We still have millions of mothers of children who have had have remained out of the workplace. And that may change as we move forward because of vaccine availability for younger children. But for right now, we still have many women that are still not in the workplace because they couldn't secure the appropriate child care services that are necessary. But to make those services really what they need to be, the highest quality and accessible for all, we really need to ensure that the caregivers themselves earn a living wage, that they have paid family and medical leave. We as workers in the workforce need to have child care care for their families and take care of themselves as well. I know when we had our child who's nine now, we weighed the cost-benefit analysis of whether it was worth daycare or should my wife stop working. And Basically, it would have been a financial wash, so we decided for her not to work and 
he could stay home. I get it. I've seen it firsthand. It's so expensive. Where does that money go? It's so expensive. But the people that work at a child care center are making $12, $13. Is it all overhead that it costs to, to run one of these things? Or is part of the problem that we don't quite know what, where that disconnect is? I mean, I think it's, a, it, it is, I don't know that it's consistent across the board. And I think that so uh, in some places you have to pay uh, really high prices for the care. In other places, you're not paying as high a price. The key thing from my perspective is that what happened with the American Rescue Plan Act, and also we can see included in the Build Back Better plan is also that there's some provisions that are in there to increase subsidies so that parents can afford the child care providers and services that they need. So in addition, for the American Rescue Plan in particular, there were there was a stabilization funding that became available to actually help those child care providers um, bring back some of the workers who left um, because they didn't have enough funding to support them. They also had provided funding to them so they could actually put the protections in place to have kids back in the, envi- the group environment. But on top of that, there were some, the child care and development block grant funding made available subsidies for families who couldn't necessarily afford the child care services that they needed. So that was built in the American Rescue Plan Act. That was great. That's a real acknowledgement of the value and the need for high quality child care services. The Build Back Better provisions include things like universal pre-K for all children. And that's awesome. That's really, really incredible, making it affordable for people, for people to have their three and four-year-olds in, pre- in pre-K. They also put a cap on child care expenses for um, children under six, so it's only 7% of a family's income for the vast majority of families. So there's provisions that are built into the Build Back Better Act that actually allow for um, people to access these child care services and not have to use up all their funding so they don't have enough money for food or healthcare services or for housing. So the act itself, we're very hopeful that those provisions remain in the act when it's actually approved so that we can actually have these kinds of supports. It's thrilling to see that there's this acknowledgement of how important caregiving actually is in this administration. And so we're hopeful that this will move forward in the way that we want it to. To that point that the lights are finally going on with people, that this needs to be addressed. Why did it get to this point as a society where it kind of took a global pandemic to rip the Band-Aid off? Is this the case of the people making the decisions, making the legislation, aren't affected by it, so there's some lip service, but they don't think it's that big a plan? It just seems like so critical to everything. And even if you look at it through a purely cynical economic lens, you know, without any thought to the human cost, the development of young children and stuff like that, you talk about people dropping out of the workforce. It's a, It can be a drag on the economy. Why haven't we addressed this seriously for as long as it has been a problem? <laughs> That's such a great question, Matt, but I don't think it just applies to caregiving. I think it, the pandemic itself just revealed lots of flaws within our systems and our structures that we have. We have what the pandemic did is really help us to see how um, our systems and our structures don't allow for certain parts of our population to be able to thrive, even at baseline. And then when there's a pandemic, it just reveals the flaws even more, more so. And so it's our public health system. It's our caregiving systems. 
the pandemic itself, sometimes it just takes a crisis to reveal what the flaws are and for us to say, this is not tolerable. This is not, we can't accept this. We really need to change things. And I think that's what's happened with this pandemic is that we've seen that the public health system was not supported in the way it needed to be. So we need to increase resources and support for them, not just now during the crisis, but for the long haul. And then what it revealed is that we are so dependent the nation, the country is really dependent on our caregiving um, economy to help us to be able to survive through pandemics, but also to really provide the basic essentials for much of our population. So our communities of color, our low-income communities, these are the communities who've been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, but who are, are really having a hard time making ends meet, having their basic needs being met at baseline. And it takes a crisis sometimes for us to really to see these faults and to see the systemic and structural challenges that need to that we have ahead of us. What I'm hoping for is a Build Back Better Act that actually includes the provisions that will tear down some of these structures and systems and rebuild them in a way that allow us to be a better nation overall. Are all the answers for this legislative? Are there other things that don't involve acts of Congress that can be done to improve this situation? That's that's a real important question to ask. I think we all have to kind of stop and think about what what are the policies and practices that we have within our own organizations that a business is employers as workplaces, what systems and practices do we have in place that really uh, don't allow people to thrive and have their basic needs met? Healthcare services, employees should be able to have healthcare services throughout the nation and, and making sure that we have those kinds of things. Paid family and sick leave, employers can ensure that their employees have those kinds of benefits available to them, even if the government doesn't require that. So there's things that we as employers are, uh, can do to help ensure that our employees have the services and the supports they need to lead healthy lives. And as far as doing more for the people giving the care, the caregivers, I mean, obviously paying more, making the job more economically viable, where it's more attractive is at the top of the list. But are there other things we should be focusing on to make the job of caregiving because it's so important, something that draws more people into it? It goes to really our having an appreciation and valuing our caregivers. I think they're really, for years, for decades, they've really been kind of underappreciated and undervalued. There are systemic things that happened in the past where they were, you know, in the 1930s, uh, some of the um, benefits were not afforded to women of color for minimum wage protection or overtime eligibility. And those things kind of impacted our caregiving community. So when you think about it's really valuing our caregivers, appreciating them for what they provide to us and how essential they are to our survival as a nation. It's things like living wage. We really need to make sure they have a living wage. They need to have healthcare coverage. They really do. And they also need to have paid sick and family leave. So it's the same kinds of things we all want for ourselves. We really need to make sure that our caregiving community has the same as well. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.